Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Come see me on the road. Whew, I'm going to take a big breath. There's going to be a long list. Everything is on sale right now. JenKirkman.com. Right there on the homepage. You can just keep scrolling. It's listed by date. Or if you want, go to JenKirkman.com and click tour. Either way, let's go. I am in the next, between August and December, coming to Minneapolis, Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, Athens, Georgia, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Texas, Austin, Texas, Brooklyn, Boston, San Diego, Toronto, London, Manchester, Oslo, Norway, Amsterdam, uh, where else? Oh, uh, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, San Francisco, Richmond, Virginia, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. All tickets, jenkirkman.com. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Oh my God, it's Having Funlessness episode. I just looked up the number. I just looked up the number. I think it's 296. Nobody cares, but I just feel like I have to say it because it makes it sound official. Oh my God, am I going to do something special for the 300th episode? I don't think so, because that's not what we do here. If you don't know this podcast, I am a comedian professionally. I get paid to tell the jokes on stage and sometimes on the TV. This podcast is where I come to be real. I mean, hopefully it's still entertaining. Is it funny? Sure. Sometimes. Is it poignant? Sure. Sometimes. Is it serious? Sure. Sometimes. This is a different thing than comedy, but it is brought to you by a comedian showing all of her other sides, good and bad. So save your fucking review that says this isn't comedy. I know that, bitch. Where have you been? Okay, so what are we going to talk about this week? This week, I am going to talk about... I sent a mean email to a Pilates studio. (laughs) I just... I just got angry at the dare to keep kids off drugs people outside of a Starbucks. I had a breast health scare, but not really. I knew it was going to be fine, but I'll tell you all about that. And I made friends with Harry Styles fans on Twitter, and it's the nicest place to be in the world. And congratulations on 50 years uh, since we went to the moon. I'm going to tell you guys how astronauts pee and poop in space. Now that's fun. Woo! All right, well, let's start with that. So I'm reading this. So, you know, 50 years ago, we went to the moon. Well, we didn't. Some some gentlemen did. And I've told this story a million times in this podcast that I waited on Buzz Aldrin. I even think it was on one of my, like, old comedy albums, which do not buy them. I hate them. Um, but just, I hate the sound of my voice from 15 years ago. And anything I'm saying, I'm a totally different person. So there's that. Um, but I would say that, uh, oh, God. 
Stop sending me your things. Uh... Sorry, I'm checking my email. I don't know why I do. This is part of the charm of the podcast, although, you know, maybe you don't like it. What was I saying? Oh, I waited on Buzz Aldrin when I was a waitress. I felt like he was a little salty. Um, Then I got to know more about him, and then I realized I'm taking him personally for no reason. Um, I didn't know that he was uh, in AA, and uh, someone told me that. I don't remember who, but you can... um, I, I heard his whole, like, his whole story, and he he has depression really bad, and he was super depressed when he was going to the moon and all that shit. And uh, so it was really kind of a cool thing to realize about him. And then that person went up to him and went, you're a liar and a fraud because this psychopath believes that we didn't land on the moon. And I get it. It's an attractive theory, um, but it's just completely Russian propaganda. That's all there is to it. I remember toying with being like, do I want to be one of those people that believes we didn't land on the moon because being a conspiracy theorist is an attractive place to be. Most people don't know that they are. They, they think they sound totally rational. Some people are happy to join that side uh, of things. And I remember thinking, well, it's a choice we all have to make at some point. Are we going to be moon landing conspiracy theorists or not? It's a decision in life that your parents don't necessarily train you for it just comes along and you have to make a choice and so I chose not to be one but I did find it fun to watch the YouTube videos things that just oh god of course of course oh I can do it actually sorry um things that come up sorry it's really hard to read emails and talk at the same time um so why don't I stop doing that? I can't because I just got a super exciting email. Uh, apparently, there's a prince in another country and they need my bank information right quick. So I'm just going to quick type it in. No, anyway, I did just get a really exciting email. What was I saying? So it's fun to look at all of the videos where they're like, um, there's no shadows on the moon and there's a shadow in this picture. It's either that or they're saying there isn't a shadow and there should be. And then you sit there and go, yeah. Although if anyone had asked me five minutes before that, I wouldn't have been like, you know what I know about? Shadows on the moon. You know, I, I don't know. Are there? Are there not? But um, one of the popular uh, notions was that the Russians put people into space and we were in a space race with them. And so then we said, we're going to walk on the moon. And what the common conspiracy theory is, is that we didn't want to be shown up by Russia. So we faked the moon landing so that we could one up them, but it didn't really happen. But that's why we did it. And I thought, well, that makes sense. (laughs) There was like a hot second where I was like, well, I guess if we had to do it to like keep the nation, you know, happy and feeling like we accomplished something, you can't let the Russians beat you. And, And then I went, Oh, wait. Well, wouldn't that be convenient, Russian propaganda, that, um, oh, oh, America didn't actually best us. Um, They had to fake it, you know. And then it's like, well, why didn't we ever go back? Well, that is a good question, but that doesn't mean it's because it was faked. It means, you know, different administrations had different priorities. And now we don't even really have a space program, except Donald Trump keeps saying he wants to do this thing called Space Force or whatever. Um, and Buzz Aldrin was recently talking at a place. God, do you love the hard-hitting details I have? Well, he was making a speech somewhere, and he said it's it's embarrassing that that's the last big thing we can speak of in, in terms of that kind of specific travel. And So he thought it was horrible, and we should get back up there. He wants, I mean, I don't think he's going to go. He's a little too old, but he wants us to go to Mars and root around up there with humans. And uh, I'm not going to do it. I, I, sometimes I just like to freak myself out. And I go, um, and I go, what if I had to go to space? And, and I can't even think of the reason. But I just, I cannot go. I will, the fear and I mean, you heard me last week talk about Disneyland. The fear and terror of having to go to space is too much for me to bear. And if for some reason I accidentally walked onto a space shuttle and they were like, the doors are closing, sorry, 
I would just close my eyes and like will my heart to stop beating because I don't think I could. And you say, Jen, why wouldn't you close your eyes and will yourself to be excited about going to space? I just don't believe that I wouldn't be an abject horror. Um, My mom told me something recently that I don't have a memory of, except when she told me it started to fuzzily come in to, uh, went from fuzzy to clear in my mind. And I went, Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. My first flight, and I, again, I talked about last week, I went to Disney World when I was a kid. My first flight when I was eight was, I don't, it was some airline, not Eastern Airlines, but even something cheaper. Like, I, it was called a charter airline or something. I don't know. I know it sounds like it was a private jet. It was, it was a, a normal plane. Um, but it was some kind of, like, way to get cheap flights. Um... And we had to go into the crash position on the landing. (laughs) And I think I probably blocked that out. But I immediately got a fear of flying. And I think it was probably super turbulent. And my mom reminded me. I'll have to ask her about it again. But we did have to put like our, you know, whatever the crash position is. You lean over and put your hands over your head. And I think that'll get a kid. If that's your first time flying, that's going to be what you think of, of airline travel always. And so... I don't think that's why I have a fear of going to space. I think that's totally different. But when I did take that fear of flying class that I've that I've talked about, and I think I wrote about it in one of my books. Hey, summer reading. Both my books are in paperback. Um, I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself is the most recent. And then I can barely take care of myself. That's a book about not having kids, but it's about so much more. It's really kind of like a mem- like a proper, like how I got into comedy memoir and like my parents and blah, blah, blah. Um, so... But this, okay, so I took this fear flying course called Logan's Heroes. We've all heard it. I'm not going to go over it again. It was in Boston at Logan Airport. Anywho, uh, this pilot came in to answer questions. And this woman said, and the movie Apollo 13 had just come out. She said, I'm afraid the plane, what if it goes up into and gets stuck up in space? And he was like, ma'am, the planes don't ever leave the Earth's atmosphere. And she said, I didn't know. Okay, well, fine. And she got really... You know, just imagine a Boston person who's showing one second of vulnerability, like, I'm scared that it's going to go into the atmosphere. And then a pilot gently corrects her and goes, oh, well, planes don't leave the Earth's atmosphere. All right, fine. I didn't know. I didn't know. So then now I know. So all right, fine. <laughs> so embarrassed. Anyway, but I think about that sometimes if I'm on a plane and I want to freak my deke out, I'm like, what if this did those just start going up into space? It can't happen. It is not powered enough to do that. But what if some prankster put a rocket fuel jet propulsion thing under the plane and then from the ground used a remote control and turned it on and then it just went went into space? You don't know. That could happen. So anyway, I am a big fan of the moon landing. I am now a new fan of Buzz Aldrin. Congrats to him on his battle against the, the demons of the drink and the depression and anxiety. And I'm sure I was just refilling his water glass one too many times at that wedding. And he was annoyed and he kind of slapped my hand and probably was my fault. And I like that he punched out that guy that went up to him and said, you're a fraud and you're a liar. And he just fucking punched the guy in the face. I really do think that, um, oh good, this call got moved. Yes, no problem. I am free all day. Whatever works best for you guys for you ladies I'm trying not to say guys all the time um so there you go one feminist moment for mankind (laughs) for womankind anyway so here's the deal so there's this sort of like sexist thing happening that actually isn't sexist at all um it's like not even true but there was this um I don't know what you would call it, not a rumor, but a thing going around on Twitter where people were saying, you know, things are so sexist that like one of the reasons that they've never let women go into space is because they can't figure out how the women would pee and sexism, sexism, sexism. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm quick to point out sexism when I see it, but that just didn't sound right to me. And this woman wrote a giant thread about it where she was like, that's not true. And it's hard for any astronaut man or woman to pee in space and poop and so she just wrote a fun thread 
about uh, what actually happens. And so to honor 50 years of, of, to honor that it's been 50 years since we walked on the moon, that must have been really nice. Like I'm really, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Things were so much worse in the 60s. I get it. I get it. But what was not worse were moments like this that we simply really in a lot of ways cannot have anymore. You had your three channels, you had the TV on, and everyone watched us land on the moon. And in that moment, that must have been so inspiring to see what we've accomplished as humans. I mean, sure, as Americans, that's great too, but just as humans. And you're watching in real time people on the moon. This is suspenseful. Uh, You're hoping they get back okay. It's a big deal, and everything gets quiet when we can all focus on one thing. And now things are just so hyper crazy overdrive, 50 channels and Twitter and everyone's screaming. And it's just, I can't take it anymore. I really can't. And I'm starting to tune a lot out. Um, you know, our politics didn't used to be our spirituality. They didn't used to be, I mean, of course, like your beliefs, I want healthcare for all. I want you know, everyone to have rights. Like, of course, that is kind of does intersect with like your values, which can be the way you look at the world if you want to call it spiritual, whatever. But there used to be the sense that politics was just pushing paper and negotiating about finer points of things. And it's not our fault for getting all up in arms and choosing sides. It's just whatever happened, the money that got into politics and the uh, just you know, corporations are people and they're destroying the environment. All of that uh, has almost turned us into people that have to be political 24-7. And it's really bad for the soul. Truly bad for the soul. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That is a joke that everybody says after they've said something boring and preachy. So I'm not original, but I thought it'd be fun to say. Okay, so let's read this thread. This is written by a woman... Uh, at Mary Robinette, R-O-B-I-N-E-T-T-E. Don't go harassing her if you don't like this thread. <laughs> Let's talk about peeing in space. Several people in my in response to my New York Times essay, oh, I guess you read an essay in the New York Times, I didn't see it, have said that women couldn't go into space because we lacked the technology for them to pee in space. When the Mercury program was proposed, doctors were worried that people would not be able to urinate or even swallow without the aid of gravity. Oh, that freaks me out. And yet, they still made plans to send a man into space. When Alan Shepard became the first American man to go into space, it was scheduled to be a 15-minute mission. Up, hello, space, back down. They made no plans for peeing. 15 minutes? Wait, we can get to space in 15 minutes? Wait, I must be... Launchpad delay. Wait, that can't be true. It doesn't take like three days. How long does it take to get into space? (laughs) Of course, the number one Google search is shape. Get into shape. Um, It takes 150 seconds for the shuttle to get out of the Earth's atmosphere. That's very fast. I don't know if you know that, but that's probably fast. It takes three days to get to the moon. Okay, I guess they weren't talking about the moon. Okay, anyway, let me finish reading this thread. Sorry. Um, Launchpad delays meant that Shepard hit a point where he needed to go badly. He asked Mission Control for permission to go in his suit. After consultation with flight surgeons and suit technicians, they gave him permission to do so. So he wet himself and still went into space. Later, they solved this problem by developing a sheath that looked much like a condom. It worked great in testing, But when the actual astronauts used it, the sheath kept blowing off and leaving them with pee in their suits. Was this about extended time in the spacesuit? The sheaths came in small, medium, and large. It turns out the men were all saying that they needed a large sheath. They did not. (laughs) Come on, men. Oh, you men have to men all the time, don't they? Subsequently, the astronauts then called... Subsequently, the astronauts called the sheaths she wrote the sentence weird, but basically she's saying sub- subsequently they had to be renamed from small, medium, large to extra large, immense, and unbelievable. I don't know how much of a joke that is, but that's what she wrote. They had to take a they had to tape a bag to their ass to poop. Ugh. That worked well for Gemini and Mercury, and by well I mean there was still urine in the capsule and it stank of feces. Apollo needed a different solution. 
Alas, they still had to poop into a bag, but for peeing, they could slip on a condom attached to a valve, turn the valve, and have their urine sucked into the vacuum of space. If you timed it right. Open the valve a fraction too late, and urine escaped to float around the cabin. Open it too early, and the vacuum of space reached through the valve to grab your manhood. Ouch. Okay. Apparently, the venting of pee into space is very pretty. It catches the sunlight and sparkles. For the spacewalks, the Apollo astronauts were back to condoms that collected the pee in a bag in the suit. Buzz Aldrin was the second man on the moon, but the first to pee there. See, he's kind of fun. Um, During Apollo 13, everyone who has seen the movie knows that Fred Hayes got sick. Do you know why, though? After the accident, they couldn't use the regular vent because it needed to be heated to keep the pee from freezing. The alternate system caused droplets to float around the ship. Mission Control told them to stop dumping pee. It wasn't meant to be a permanent ban, but the crew didn't understand that, so they were stashing pee in every bag or container possible. The fastest option was to store it in the collection bags they wore in their suits. Hayes kept his on for hours and hours, basically bathing in pee. Ugh. He got a UTI and then a kidney infection. Finally, a decade later, NASA decides to send women into space. Now they have a reason to come up with how to handle peeing in space if you don't have a penis. To launch and for a spacewalk, they developed the MAG, Maximum Absorbency Garment. It's a diaper. Do you remember when that woman that was uh, an astronaut had her diaper on and she drove cross country to confront her cheating boyfriend and like pooped and peed and like she didn't stop to poop and pee. And we were like, that's so weird. But I guess if you're living that astronaut life, you're like, I'm doing this anyway. So it's not, I mean, it is weird that I'm driving to confront my boyfriend's uh, thing. What was that story? Astronaut drives to confront boyfriend. She was attempted murder. Lisa Marie Nowak, a NASA astronaut, attacked a rival, a rival, a, you know, two separate things. Um, Anyway, she was wearing a space diaper. She went to confront her boyfriend. She was in some kind of love love triangle. Anywho. So the men switched over to using the diapers because it was more comfortable and less prone to leave pee floating around the cabin than the condom sheath. I can't believe they didn't think of a diaper in the first place. Like, wouldn't that just be easier for everyone? Um, They also developed a zero-G toilet so that astronauts no longer had to tape a bag to their ass. Peeing or pooping in space is now a lengthy process involving a fan, a targeting system, and a fair amount of prayer. Fun pooping in space fact. Without gravity, the poop doesn't break off as it exits your body. You have to reach back and help with special gloves. Peeing is a little more straightforward. It's basically a funnel, a tube, a bag, and a fan for suction. Sometimes, though, the toilet breaks down. At that point, they return to using relief bags taped to their ass and manual urine containment. During a malfunction, it is also possible for a giant floating globe of pee to exit the toilet. Fun fact, due to chemicals, it is bright purple and acidic. Fun fact, poop regularly escapes, which is why you never eat a milk dud found floating in the shuttle. All of which is to say that women didn't go into space. Women not going into space had nothing to do with lacking the technology to pee. We didn't have the technology for men to pee in space when they started either. And some days, the best solution is still a diaper or a bag taped to the ass. Whew. Um, what about periods in space? According to women who have been there, it's just like a period on Earth. Well, there you go. It turns out menstrual blood moves via a wicking action. Gravity can speed that up, but it is unnecessary. Also, tampons. Fun fact, when Sally Ride was preparing to go into space, NASA engineers asked her if 100 tampons would be the right number for a week. <laughs> She said, no, that would not be the right number. They cut it back to 50. In case any of you are not menstruation, the people who menstruate, uh, you might need 20 a week. Like if you get your period for five days, you might need four to five tampons a day. Some people only get their period three days. Like it's like 15 to 25 you might need. Some people might need more than that, but not 50, not even 30. Um Fun fact, gravity creates most of the sense of urgency for peeing. Isn't that weird? I never knew anything about gravity. So in in microgravity, astronauts can't tell that they have to go pee. It's such a complicated process that they pee on a schedule. Um, Fun fact, when Yuri Gargarin was on his way to the launch pad, he realized the suit up had taken so long 
that he needed to pee, he got out of the truck and peed on the tire. Every astronaut to launch from uh, Bacanor since has done the same. Women squat or carry a vial of pee. Anyway, um, that's it. So there you go. Fun facts about peeing in space. And you know, Twitter, that, that's what I was saying about, about Twitter can be fun sometimes. You know, I was talking about before, we have these moments where we, um, you know, oh, what is this now? Have these moments when, you know, the whole country is watching the, the shuttle, the space mission. Sorry, guys, I'm really out of it today. And, uh, and I guess Twitter, if you have it, is, is where people go to gather. And I had a beautiful moment about a month ago where I read this thing that Harry Styles said, and I really liked it. And he was talking in defense of teenage girls. And he was saying that a lot of rock and roll critics um, will write off music that, uh, oh, that's stupid music, that's for teenage girls. And he said, well, didn't teenage girls discover the Beatles and Elvis? And that was good music. Why don't we take young girls seriously? Like, this is this is terrible. You know, something like that. But he said it more fun. And uh, and I was like, good on you. Like, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know his uh, whatever One Direction songs. I don't know his, uh, I don't know his um, solo stuff. Although I did like pop around on iTunes and listen. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's not totally music I'm into. Like, I'm not trying to judge it. It just doesn't move me. But I can tell that it's really good. So I'm into him for, I just think he's great. And I love his androgyny and his style and is he gay? Is he bi? We don't know. He drops hints. It doesn't matter. He's fluid. He's uh, has a great message out there about acceptance and tolerance. Oh, so he said, who's to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular, right, have worse musical tastes than a 30-year-old hipster guy? That's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalposts. Young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious? Um, how can you say young girls don't get it? They're our future. Our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick. I love that. So I posted that and I said, uh, you know, I'm an old lady, but I think Harry Styles sounds cool. I didn't even at him. I didn't hashtag him. There's just people who search for his name all day that love him. And I, it is one of my most popular tweets of all time. It's like 20,000 likes and like 2,000 retweets. I'm like, well, I wish something serious I said that I, that, that I meant a lot, you know, something funny or whatever. But it, and all these people were like, this was the sweetest thing. Cause I was just like kidding when I said I'm too old, but I was, I was just trying to, it was a polite way of saying, I'm actually not a fan of his music per se, but this is really cool. But I knew not to write that cause I didn't want to piss off anyone. His fans are the sweetest people. I literally just sat there for a day because it was like a slow rollout of of all the retweets. And I would like every few hours just have a stack of people in my mentions. And they're all saying, you're not too old. He's for everybody. And he's wonderful. And you're wonderful for noticing. It was just like a love fest. And I was like, what is this magic pocket of the internet? I want to live here. Everyone was so Kind. I'm sure if I said anything bad about them, they would snap like a sugar pea, but I don't care. It was so, I just felt like this is where I want to spend all of my time is just in this little pocket. I almost started like positive trolling, like how, what other people can I say nice things about and then get all their fans on my, <laughs> to say nice things to me. <laughs> but uh, it didn't really seem to work for anyone else. I was excited that Lil Nas came out. I really thought it was awesome and um and I do like some of his music and I just tweeted that I thought it was awesome that he came out and no one really cared about that I didn't get any like oh my god I'm a fan of his and now I love you there's just something magical about Harry Styles um now if you are like me and you're like no you're right Jen though this isn't just us being old and missing when there are three channels like I'm stressed out the state of the world is stressful I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. I never thought I had these issues. Well, why not some therapy? And that's why I love our sponsor, Talkspace, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com, Talkspace.com. Use code GEN for $65 off your first month. Oh, my God, do you know that Talkspace 
is one month of therapy on Talkspace costs about the same amount as one single face-to-face section session. They're like, Jen, could you slur more words and not pronounce things correctly? I'm not slurring Talkspace. Who was I telling this to the other day? I was like, I get so excited when I talk that like words don't come out properly and it sounds like I'm on drugs. And I swear to God, I would just tell you if I were, but I'm really not. Anyway, Talkspace.com. Use code Jen for $65 off of your first month. You all could use someone to talk to at different points in your life. You need support through rough patches or the everyday ups and downs of life or just how scary the world can be. And that's where Talkspace comes in. It's mobile. It's available when you need it. And it's very affordable. It's online therapy and it makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. Here's the deal. You just give your preferences for your therapist. Talkspace is going to match you with one of 5,000 plus therapists the very same day. You can send them unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages anywhere, anytime. No matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Over 1 million people are feeling better because they are using Talkspace. This whole therapy thing doesn't have to be stressful. The matching process takes your unique preferences into account. So you get someone who gets you and they've got, you know, your style and expertise. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do so anytime, no extra cost. And it's convenient. If you have an appointment with your therapist and you forgot to tell them something, you don't have to wait until your next appointment to talk about them, to talk to talk about them, to talk about what's on your mind with them. You can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device, phone, laptop, iPad, whatever, any time of the day. And you can always schedule a live video session for extra support. So life can be stressful. It's not always easy to find time for yourself. Talkspace, you don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to get anyone's approval to do it. You can just take care of your mental health. And why not? They've got more than 5,000 licensed therapists. Again, use code JEN to get $65 off your first month and to show support for this show. But mainly, show support for yourself and talk to someone about that stress and anxiety that you feel. It's okay. There's answers out there. There's answers out there. There's people who study exactly how you feel so that they can help you. So trust me, I love therapy. Get in it. Get in it, get on it. So uh, I went to the breast doctor last week, or I, I get this um, I get this certain type of, because my sister had breast cancer when she was 40, she's fine now, um, but it was stage three. And, and uh, so I started getting mammograms at 30. When I was 21, I had a lump removed surgically, and it was benign. Uh, it doesn't run in our family, really. My dad's mom had it, but like well after her 70s. And uh, we took the test, the BRCA gene test, my sister and I, and we both don't have the gene. So she got cancer from, I don't know, just freaky deaky stuff. And uh, so because of that, like sister history and I have dense breasts, I have to get, you know, I get a mammogram once a year, but then every six months I get, so will be like, I'll get a mammogram in January and then in July I'll get just a generic ultrasound, and then the mammogram next time, next January. So every six months, I'm always getting poked and prodded, just to be safe. And I got my ultrasound, and you lay there, and they just, it just seems so, like, we haven't updated the technology. They just take these big, giant plates and just kind of push them on your boob, and they they do each boob three different sections, and it hurts a little. And on my left boob, I was like, ow, something is in there. And, uh, so they found something, and they had me back to do a more targeted ultrasound, and that's when they just use the little wands, like if you've seen, you know, pregnant women, and you know, TV. Oh, we're going to see the baby. That's that kind of wand. And they put it uh, on your boob, and, you know, it's one of those things, the person doing it isn't the radiologist. They don't know how to read results, but you're sitting there, and it's like, they put the wand over, and then you see some, like, black blob on the screen, and they're like, doop, and they take a picture of it, and they're typing. And then they do another, and then they move it over a centimeter, and then they do that. And I'm sitting there for half an hour, like, come on. But I started to get it. I mean, this is the fucked up thoughts that I start to think, like, well, I have really good health insurance. So if it's cancer, like, it's fine, mostly. Oh, fuck, but I can't tour if I have to get chemo, so I'll not make any money, and I'll have $0 by the end of the year. And then I'll have to, I don't know what, go live with my parents. And then I was like, but, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, 
I can't even be the breast cancer comedian because that's Tig's territory. Not that that's what she wanted. And so these all these weird thoughts happen. And then there's like the real sick thoughts where there's like a couple things coming up that I don't feel like doing. I'm like, I wouldn't have to do that if I had to get chemo. I know. This, these are the thoughts that we think. And then some other woman comes in and she's just like, sometimes I feel like when I'm in a hospital and the radiologist or the whoever comes in, it does sometimes seem like just a crazy person is busted in with a lab coat. Like she just came in. She's like, hi. She didn't say I'm the radiologist. I read the reports. Like I still really don't know who she was. She was like, oh. She's like, so what's your history with your breasts? And I was like, well, I had this surgery 20 years ago almost. And she's like, what did they find? I go, I have to be honest. I don't remember. I just know I had surgery in New York City. I don't know the doctor. He's probably dead by now. He seemed old then. Um, I don't, there was no computers. So I don't have like a, I mean, there were, but not for me. I I had no record. Uh, I like literally don't know. It's like it didn't happen. I just remember that I had surgery. And and weirdly, of course, this ties into 9-11. It was the week before 9-11. Or maybe two weeks before. Um, and this cab driver was driving me and my then boyfriend home from the hospital. And he said some weird thing. Like, are you Jewish? Is your landlord Jewish? And my boyfriend was Jewish. And he was just like kicking me like, shut the fuck up. Don't answer this. Don't say anything to this guy and I was like I don't know who's Jewish and who's not white and he was like well the Jews are running things and they run the banks and you know sometime soon uh they're gonna be punished and I was like okay and that was like I feel like that was like a weird pre-9-11 warning from a cab driver that had some conspiracy theory about Jewish people running things and I like was he telling me that like some planes are gonna fly in a building I don't think so but it was strange and my ex and I like would talk about that sometimes. Like, remember that weird cab driver that like sort of said weird stuff. Like, you'll see, it's coming soon. And we're like, all right. Um, but we were basically just concerned with getting out of the cab. Anywho, so I'm laying around in my hot Brooklyn apartment, no air conditioning. Oh my god, and just like sweating with this like all this tape on my boob and having to. I just remember the whole experience. Couldn't tell you the doctor's name. No clue the hospital, some Catholic hospital or something. Anyway, and the woman goes, I go, I was young and irresponsible. She goes, well, you're still young. I don't know about responsible. Maybe you're, but you're still, I mean, I'm old. Oh, okay. I hate the like competing who's older thing. Like, fine. She's like, I'm 62. I'm like, okay, that is older than me. But it's not like I'm 20, you know, I'm 45. She's like, all right, well, you know. Okay, so this could be scar tissue. And I was like, yeah. I go, the thing is though, a few years ago, I had pain on that side, and we determined it was scar tissue. But then the last two years, I haven't had pain on that side, and my doctor said maybe the scar tissue is going away. So does it come back? Like, that's the only thing that worries me. Like, if it comes back and that's normal, then fine. But if how are we sure it's scar tissue? Well, uh, no one's sure of anything. I mean, that gene test, that doesn't mean anything. I go, Okay. She's like, if you have the gene, then people get it. Their breast uh, mastectomy. But if you don't have it, that doesn't mean you don't have it. There's other genes. We haven't found them yet. I go, okay, great. So what about this scar? Like, no one, she was like, uh, I don't know. Oh, she's like, yeah, I don't remember stuff I did 20 years ago. And I go, well, that's what I'm saying. She goes, well, that shouldn't be happening to you yet. And I'm like, do you even work here? Like, I really could not understand who this woman was. So then they both are talking to each other. And she's like, yeah, see that? That's over there. And she's, well, take her to the next room. So it's like, don't just tell someone to go to the next room without explaining to them, like, oh, you don't have cancer, but you have to go to the next room. So I keep going to the next room, then someone else says something, then someone else. So it really was to the point where I was like, I guess I just have cancer. Like, this is probably how it feels. And then they brought me to see my doctor. Um, and it's not my doctor. It's like her assistant, but like this woman is like a very accomplished person in the medical breast world in her own right. So like, it's not like I'm getting less uh, knowledge, but she's so annoying. And I'm like, oh, it's this woman. Every time I see her, it's like I'm doing a fucking interview about comedy. She's like, what do you do? Where do you tour? And so she's giving me a breast exam and doing this stuff. And I said, I have a question about the scar tissue. And I asked the same thing that I just said that I asked. And she goes, and she just looks me dead in the eye. And goes, so when you're on tour, like, do you have to pay for your own hotel and stuff? Or, like, who books that for you? I'm like, 
You know, I had a question about the scar tissue in my breast because it looks like uh, something abnormal is happening. And she goes, I mean, and she goes, uh, do you have like an assistant or, and I'm like, what? If you walked in on this conversation, you'd be like, oh my God, somebody's clearly having a mental breakdown and this young woman is being interviewed for a magazine about comedy and she keeps talking about her breast. She must be in the wrong place. Like it was two different things. Or if you saw this play, you'd go, these two actors are reading lines from different plays. And I said, I had to say to a fucking doctor person, hey, I really don't want to answer questions about my tour right now because I only have you for a few minutes and I'm really worried because they won't tell me what this is and I do feel like I have a foreign thing in my boob. And she goes, no, 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 it's just scar tissue. I said, no, I know, but why is it back? Like, it, I, or do, was I wrong? Did it never go away? And she goes, yep, we're going to be back in three months to look at it. And I said, okay. I said, oh, forget it. Forget it. So there's some weird tissue going on. I'll be wandering around on tour with weird tissue, and I'll come back, and I'm going to request that I see the doctor doctor next time because I literally I can't take these questions. And she'll go, where are you touring? Who cares? What literally has nothing to do with anything. And I said to her, I don't know if like other patients want you to distract them with talk about other stuff, but I am like, I love information and I just want to ask every question I can. Completely ignore me. And this is like Cedar sinai like breast health for high risk people. This is like the cream of the fucking crop. This isn't like I should go somewhere else and I'm in some, you know, daycare, whatever the fuck you call it, like urgent care. This is real. Uh, she just sucks at talking about her job. I'm sure she knows a lot, just wants to know what hotel I stay in when I'm in Arkansas. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not in Arkansas. I'm the one that just said Arkansas. Anyway, I'm just like up to my head in, I, I just, I really, I know that I'm being a dick. I know that deep down I'm being a dick. And I should walk around the world in a state of wonder and gratitude that people are so fascinated by comedy. But it doesn't always equal asses in seats. And so I'm like, I'm really sick of answering these questions. If if I was, whatever, on stage to a sold out house of a thousand people and they were like, stop the show. We have so many questions about the basics of touring. I'd be like, listen, that's what the people want. I'll give it to them. But just every damn moment of my life, I can't get through anywhere without people wanting to talk about comedy. Guys, we're just being nice when we humor you. Comedians never want to talk about comedy with people that don't do it. Period. End of story. Never. I'm sorry if we sound like assholes. I'm sure you have this at your job where you do not want to answer fucking questions about your job from people who don't do it. It's not interesting for you. It shouldn't be interesting for them. If they only knew the right questions to ask, they could actually have an interesting experience. But they don't want to just want to ask them who books the travel. What, what is that? When you go home tonight, is, how is that going to make your day better? Huh? Oh, well, I have a stressful life at home. My husband, um, well, he's basically just a torso. Um, he uh, He's kind of a weird guy, and um, he did some experimental uh, workouts, and he ripped his arms and legs off. So I have to care for him every night. He's on ice in a bathtub, and every night I care for him. And, you know, it, things get so tough that sometimes I think at least I know how one comedian's tour is booked. She books her own. Honey, she books her own hotel. She could have an agent's assistant do it, but she, she used to be an assistant herself, so she thinks this stuff's kind of fun. It's sort of like administrative. It's like good for her ADD, and she loves finding good deals. Oh, I'm so glad I know that, sweetie, and I could come home and give you that information. He's like, he doesn't have a mouth either. Uh, that was probably offensive. I don't care. So, you know, I just want to get through my day without nonsense. Do you know what I mean? Like, just get me through the goddamn day without nonsense. And so I'm, I'm you know, there's a Starbucks near where I live that I will sometimes call in a mobile order to when I'm, like, picking it up to go, you know, on a long road trip or something. I don't always just go to Starbucks. And I'm walking in. It's 8 a.m. on a weekday. Read the room, people. Coffee shop, 8 a.m. on a weekday. What do you think is happening? If you just had to blurt out who's coming in, people with all the time in their hands? No. When I'm when I'm freelance writer person, I'm at home. I make a pot of coffee. I'm not going to coffee shops at 8 a.m. It's people going to work. They, they have one second to spare. They're already late. When you're walking into Starbucks and you see the dare to keep... Ca- Hi, do you have a minute? No. And people go, do you care about kids on drugs? I mean, honestly, I don't. I mean, I do, but here's the deal. 
You have the addict gene or you don't. So some kids are going to try drugs. It's going to be fun for a while and they're going to stop. Some kids are going to try drugs and they have the addict gene and they're going to become addicts. And so one of the great things they can do for it is a 12-step program or go to rehab or go therapy. Um, But this dare to keep kids off drugs, I don't really know what it is. I don't know much about it. I don't know how they keep kids off drugs. But I I feel like if your best idea of how to reach people is to stand outside of a Starbucks at 8 a.m. on a weekday, then you don't have very many good ideas. Like your organization is a mess. There's other ways to reach people. Like, I don't know, could you go to high schools and talk or parent-teacher conferences? I mean, what are you standing outside a fucking grubby Starbucks for? So it really doesn't make any sense. And I'm aware that this organization exists. I can Google it just like I just did, and I can find out more about it. Um, I mean, look, I think it's, it, it, there's just something about it that freaks me out. Like, I'm like, is it right wing? Is it a cult? There's just something about it that I'm like, ah, I don't need to get involved. And like, like, who's like, oh my God, let me just quick give you my credit card number on this piece of paper that you're having me write on. Like, just, you're bothering people. You have not reached one person. And so I just said, you're, you are at work. Some of us are on the way into our work and we cannot stop for one minute. I said, could you have stopped for one minute on the way here? And they were like, well, I think that's different. I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. You're bothering people on their way to work. And I'm like, what am I doing? I was just in a happy world, you know, a day before with all this Harry Styles on Twitter. I was in that bubble, but it just, the minute I go out there, into the world. It's nothing but headaches. Doctors won't ask, tell me about my tour. People outside Starbucks like trying to make you feel good. Do you have time for human rights today? No, I guess I don't. I'm a shitty person that doesn't care about human rights. Uh, can I go to the grocery store for five minutes? Does that mean that I'm bad? Can I, I'll look it up later online, but I don't want to sit and talk to you and give you my credit card number right now. Like it's just stop, just stop standing outside of places. It's useless, useless. Anyway, so I, uh, I'm i going to be in Texas at the end of the month, and I'll be in uh, Austin, and uh, I was wanting to go to Pilates class while I'm there. You know, I try to keep up with it when I'm on the road, and I was looking for places near my hotel, and there was this one place, and I found it, and it's I take Pilates reformers classes, which that's like the machine, and I sign up, and I like buy it in advance. It's like a month away, but I just bought, you know, because it was like not many classes, and I was like, I'll just buy it now and sign up. I got 50 emails after one second that was like, welcome to Pilates, blah, 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 blah. And then this woman wrote, hey, Jen, it's me, the owner of Bling Blong Pilates. Um, We see that you're a new client who signed up. Do you have 15, 20 minutes to grab on the phone and talk about Pilates? I go, is she fucking crazy? 15, 20 minutes? time for my mother 15, 20 minutes on the phone. I have business calls that are shorter than that. No, I wrote back, no, I don't have 15 to 20 minutes. That's why I signed up for the class on the website. I said, I'm in town for business. I've been doing Pilates five times a week for 11 years. And I'm not saying I know what I'm doing. Every teacher's different. But I said, if it's going to be this much drama, then I'm not coming because this is absurd. And then, uh, and I could, I was like, Jen, you're being so mean. You're spreading negativity throughout the world. Just be kind and say, oh, I actually don't. Thank you though. And then just quietly cancel the class but I was just like this is really off-putting for a lot of people like new to your studio doesn't mean new to it and like 15 20 minutes on the phone I couldn't I was like no and then uh I felt really guilty and then she wrote back oh thanks for writing back well maybe a phone call isn't necessary but you know um I'd love to take you through like how it works and I was like I just deleted and I just canceled the class and I was like forget it (laughs) forget it I know that's not that great of a story, but I really need to hear from you guys. If you find it absurd that someone wanted to talk on the phone for 15 to 20 minutes, please email iseemfun at gmail.com. If you have any comments about the topics discussed in today's episode, please don't be mean to me. I cannot handle it. I don't have a tough skin like that woman I sent the email to or the dare to be off drugs people that I yelled at. I don't. I'm sensitive. Don't tell me how shitty I am. I already know I'm shit. Like, that's the thing. I already know I'm shitty. So you're just confirming it. So just please don't confirm it because I, I ain't got time for it. I ain't got time for it. Oh, my God. Peeing in space. Anything. Just send me an email. I seem fun at gmail.com. Here's also what you can do. 
If you want to be part of the new secret closed Facebook fan group, I am not in it, so you can talk shit about me there if you want to. Go to facebook.com slash having fun. Oh, fuck. I... I have a whole thing here where I, where I take you through uh, like what all the things are for the podcast. Like, okay, so facebook.com slash havingfunlesspod. That's the Facebook page of the podcast. Every week you can go and see what the episode's about. And in the pinned, um, you know, the pinned post is the link to get into the Facebook closed group. Twitter, we are at uh, havingfunlesspod. Same thing, the pinned tweet will tell you how to get into the group. And email me, iSeemFun at gmail.com. I'm just keeping the old email address because it's fucking easier. And uh, that's it. Go to my website, JenKirkman.com. Buy tickets to see me on tour. Oh, I will tell you really quickly, Nashville. Um, There's a comedy club there that will not book me um, for the normal rate. Uh, I wouldn't be able to afford to play there. Uh, It's very strange. Uh, They won't let me do like a proper weekend at a normal rate, even though I've played there once and it went really well. They say I am not a headliner. Now, that's not an opinion they're allowed to have. It's literally what I do for a living, and I have two Netflix specials. But they don't think of me as a real comedian. I don't know why. You can assume if it's sexism. I don't know. But I'm 22 years in, and uh, that's what they're doing. So I had to schedule my own place at Basement East, which is I've done it before. But Nashville, if you're keen on supporting women and you find it ridiculous that we are still capped out of some comedy clubs for no reason, and it's not just women, it's, it's every comic has a weird story like this, but if you want to really stick it to the mainstream comedy club, come buy a ticket. Please tell everyone you know that's in the area to come see me Thursday night, August 15th at the Basement East. I could really use the support, and I'm going to have a really fun musical opening act. Not like a musical, but like musicians. And it's going to be a really, really great night. But I need a lot of help getting the word out because sometimes, you know, I can do all the press in the world, but sometimes the best way is word of mouth. So tell your friends, jenkirkman.com, get tickets. It's a really cool space. I did it last time, and I would love to sell it out so that, you know, I can pay the opening act. (laughs) All right. Until next week, have fun.